Oh, you have a list uh, that works for me. I can, I can actually go off your list. I can talk about whatever, since it's all just my memories. I didn't even write like a list. I was like, Oh, okay. I can talk about that. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Dre and I kind of do our, our own podcast kind of off the cuff. We kind of pick a topic and then we just kind of chit chat about it. So well, I will say the very first thing on my list is a question from uh, my brother, which is, uh, did you ever visit Fat Ones? We have our signature one called the Fat One, which is ginormous. And if it, it, you could feed about <laughs> probably two to maybe even three people. It's huge. Uh, it's got French fries, uh, corned beef, nacho cheese, uh, green peppers, red, uh, what is it, the uh, sweet red uh, onions. Gosh, what else does it have? Nacho cheese, did I say that already? Uh, pepperoni. I went on the grand opening day to Fat Ones with another friend of mine. Um, we heard about it. We're like, um, we have to go. We have to go to, to Fat Ones. This is going to be amazing. Um, uh, we went, we stood in line. It was a really long line um, at the Florida Mall. Um, so it was like this little kiosk in Florida Mall. And um, Joey was there. I took tons of pictures, um, especially because they had a, a sign on the little kiosk that was the door and it said employees um, and Joey. <laughs> so it was like employees only, also Joey. <laughs> it was like, oh this is the best I've ever seen. Um, we so took cute. pictures with We took pictures with Joey. We had hot dogs. Um, it was actually a really good time. They had a DJ. Um, we got shirts. Uh, I'm trying to think like, and now since it's a food truck, um, whenever it's in our neighborhood, me and my friends are like, we're going to the fat ones to have hot dogs on Thursday. Right. Yeah. Okay, great. (laughs) And so we'll go to the food truck and we'll still go. Um, cause sometimes Joey goes to, to the food truck. So we're like, maybe we'll see him. Maybe we won't, but maybe we will. It's always worth the, you know, just checking to see. It's worth a try. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, my um, sort of reinterest in in sync kind of picked up when I had um, surgery a couple months ago, and I was like recovering and decided to, for whatever reason, to do like this big deep dive into the history of boy bands, and it just brought back like all these memories of be like listening to in sync like twenty years ago. But I got my brother and my sister um, hooked on. Joey's uh, Instagram so now we all follow him and so yeah so my brother was like well you have to ask has she been two fat ones absolutely um I highly recommend if if you happen to be near Orlando um and they're around so follow them on Instagram I'm I'm not doing like promo for them but like (laughs) this is not a promo but if you're interested in going they usually post on their official Instagram so it's fat ones ORL and if you want to make things right that's right I'm tired So now, first item on the list, check. <laughs> but maybe I should um, introduce uh, my guest today. Um, so, like I said, uh, about a couple months ago, I had some major surgery, and in recovery, I was doing things like I had to take 
like little walks around the neighborhood and um yeah I, I started listening to this InSync podcast which brought back a lot of good memories and with me today I have one of the hosts and um Sandra would you like to introduce yourself sure uh what's up InSync fam it's Sandra I'm from together again an InSync podcast uh we love to reminisce about uh what I like to call the good old days of InSync fandom and um, tell our stories. We like to tell other people's stories too, um, but we really do talk about our stories mostly. Not go why. But hey, it is what it is. And it's very entertaining. Um, it really is just like listening in to two friends just talk about InSync. Um, sort of the way that, you know, sort of all fans talk about their favorite groups, but just in podcast form yeah that's us uh we started uh I can give you a little bit of history we started um our podcast because I was actually listening to Sirius XM not a a plug or anything but I was listening to Sirius in my car and they were talking about I think I want to say it was like maybe Billy Joel radio or Dave Matthews radio or something to that effect and I went, you know what they need to have? They need to have like a boy band channel. They really do, where it's just all boy bands all the time. And they have like a host and I'll totally host it. I'll totally be like the, the DJ playing on the boy bands. <laughs> and <laughs> this would be like the best idea ever. And I just started talking to friends about it. And I happened to talk to Dre, who's the, the other co-host. And I, she's like, you know what we do? We need to start a podcast. And I was like, we do need to start a podcast. And we talk about like all of our memories with like sync and stuff and how great it was then. And then it just kind of took off with lightning from there. It was just like a, a one-off conversation with a friend. My strongest memories of listening to NSYNC like 20 years ago was when I was in music school. And um, <laughs> I went into our library and we had like all these, you know, CDs and DVDs and all that kind of stuff you could watch because, um, you know, we we're music students and um, my school was known for like pop and rock performance and jazz performance, things like that. So, you know, um, there was a legitimate reason that one could be watching an NSYNC tour DVD um, for their amazing live band. But yeah, I, <laughs> I was watching something and I didn't realize that the headphones weren't all the way connected. So I was just like blasting like in sync, like into the library. That's amazing. That's amazing. So, somebody had to come over and tap me on the shoulder. They're like, um, can you like put your headphones in? <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> but, but I remember like being in the dorm and, um, I mean, I was one of like a handful of female students like at the school, but, um, I just remember like being in the dorms in the common room and um, like watching TRL being like, oh, my God, NSYNC had better be number one this week. (laughs) (laughs) Same. But I was at home. Same. (laughs) (laughs) I think all these guys who like did not care. But I was like, you know what? We're going to watch this. Um, It was just such a different era. Just like thinking back 20 years ago. I mean, it really was just such a different era. But there are some things that I think are still the same like today with like boy bands and stuff, but I think a lot, a lot has changed. Um, so when did you first get into NSYNC? Okay. My first, um, I guess seeing NSYNC 
was actually on, I don't know if it was necessarily TRL, but it was on MTV in 98. Sounds right. Sometimes the years escape me, but I was at a friend's house and we were watching MTV because we didn't have cable at college, but we had cable at her house. So we were at her parents' house and they had cable. So we were watching all of the MTV, all of the things we couldn't watch when we were at school. Um, So it was like MTV's on, time to watch MTV. And we would just watch like solid blocks of MTV. Um, And the video for Tearing Up My Heart came on. And another friend of mine, we were staring at each other. I remember looking her dead in her face. And I was like, why do I know these guys? Why do I know them? And she's looking at me going, we know these guys. Why do we know these guys? And we did this roundabout discussion. And it was like, we know them from Mickey Mouse Club. Okay, but what are their names? I don't know. I can't think of their names, but they were definitely on the Mickey Mouse Club. And I think we went to like Walmart or something that night. And I was like, they've got to be in the teen magazines, right? Because obviously they were on the Mickey Mouse Club. We're going to get their names. And I pulled up like a teen magazine or something. And I was like, oh, and I go back to my friend and go, oh my gosh, it's JC from them. (laughs) So that was my first exposure to NSYNC was literally watching a video on MTV. And then um, I actually went to see them live. And almost by accident, I saw them live because I went to go see Janet Jackson and they just happened to be opening for her at that point. And they weren't supposed to be at my show. They were actually supposed to, I don't know when they were supposed to join the tour, but we were supposed to have Usher, which was still very exciting for me because, oh my gosh, Usher. I mean, it's Usher. It's Usher. And this was like when um, his album My Way came out. So he was a totally different Usher then it was like, oh, Usher's actually really cool. And so it was like, oh my gosh, we're going to see Usher. And then NSYNC was opening and I was like, okay, whatever. I guess I don't really have to pay attention to the opening act, whatever. And when we went and saw them live was when I officially was like, okay, these guys are amazing. Like, how did we miss this train that they're this good? This is so great. And it took off from there for me. Um, it took my other friends a little while to get on the insane train, but they did eventually. Um, but that was my, my, the start of my love for NSYNC really was just seeing them live for the very first time and on accident. That must've been an amazing lineup. I mean, Janet Jackson. And NSYNC, and that yeah, was it. Yeah. There was no other, there was no other opening acts. Like usually like when you go to a concert, they'll have like somebody local, you know, just while people are kind of walking yeah, in or whatever. Yeah. And then they'll have like another like sort of well-known act and then they'll have like the headliner. But this was just in sync and just Jared Jackson. And that was it. <laughs> yeah. And, and they are. I mean, I unfortunately, I've never seen them live, but just the um, I am a big fan of um, concert DVDs and um, their live performance is just incredible. I mean, they are to any sort of young, young kids listening today. We forget that like groups back then you had to be able to sing like there was no live pitch correction um correct you know there was no live processing um these guys were singing and dancing and harmonizing like live on stage like in front of you um and it was real and um i I mean i think it's easy to forget that that takes a lot of talent and a lot of skill and um 
in instinct too they always have this like sparkle about them of just like performance like they just you can just tell they love to be on stage yes um i think their their live performance was catered to to like the mtv generation because they're part of it concerts like way back in the day weren't this big like spectacular concert like you didn't go see this big show like you went to go see a show but it was literally like the person you went to see and they were just kind of standing on stage and singing it wasn't like this music video type production and then like along comes your Madonnas and your Michael Jacksons and and even like Paul Abdul's and those people and they were basically giving you a music video on stage at their concert for two hours and I think the NSYNC show is like that. It's a music video for two hours. And they were on point with the performance. Yeah, you know, I never thought about it that way. But you're absolutely right. It really is kind of that MTV generation that, um, yeah, that like music video on stage. And um, I mean, even now, like watching some of this stuff, no one has, has sort of topped, I think, what NSYNC did. Um, I mean, things like riding mechanical bulls on stage. (laughs) (laughs) I I think that was just like, what other crazy thing can we do? What can we do that's going to be so crazy that everybody's going to flip out about it? Or it could have been a simple just, okay, well, we're going to do a tour. What do you guys want to do? And at that point in their career, they could have whatever they wanted. You know, they were... They were, you know, I guess you would call them the kings of of pop music at that point. So if they wanted to have mechanical bulls on stage, then somebody was going to make that happen for them. If they wanted to fly over the audience, someone was going to make that happen for them at that point in their career. You know, like, um, I don't know if I know you're a big fan of concert DVDs, but um, NSYNC did a making the tour for uh, No Strings Attached. Um, and if you've ever seen it on MTV or on DVD, highly recommend watching it to anybody out there listening. If you've never seen it, watch it just to see kind of what goes into making that tour. And if you watch it, you'll see that like they just kind of ask Johnny for things and Johnny makes it happen. So like the conveyor belts, Joey wanted the conveyor belts and Johnny was like, okay, great. We're going to make it happen. And then he tells Joey, I don't, I need to save some money on this and I don't think the conveyor belts are going to happen. And Joey's like, um, okay, I guess, but we already have choreography for them. He's like, okay, then I guess they have to happen, you know, and it happens. <laughs> we all saw digital get down. It happened. The conveyor <laughs> belts happened. So they made things happen for them because of their showmanship. And it's, it's incredible. Um, I mean, they were doing things that at the time just were not done. Um, and even now I think, cause I, I have gone to see, um, some of these big scale productions, um, in Japan, um, and in Korea. And I've certainly seen like the concert DVDs for some of these big tours, but I mean, NSYNC were doing things 20 years ago that I think some groups still like aspire to, I mean, things like moving stages and, um, yeah, the conveyor belts and, um, the flying, and just like the little interstitial um, videos were so cool. Like the Madison Square Garden concert where they did like the parody of Mystery Science Theater 3000. They did a parody of like Curb Your Enthusiasm. 
That night we sat around the fire singing and realized we were the new gang in town. And it was time to let people know it. Our singing and dancing was tuneful, up-tempo, and repetitive, and aimed at the general public. We must be pop! So here we are, the same old cowboys. Except now we got some great new toys. Now, Slim, what? up there. Oh. Yeah, this kind of stuff, I think, it just wasn't done. And, um, yeah, even now, it's it's still um, it's still pretty wild, like, going back and seeing, like, all of the stuff that they were doing. And just kind of gets dismissed, I think, as like, eh, they're just a boy band. Like, they just showed up and somebody pointed a camera at their faces or whatever. I'm like, no, you don't understand. You, you don't get that they actually, they actually showed up for this. Like, they were the producers of their tour. They did this. You know, um, I think at that time, especially during like the No Strings Attached era, and even their tour before that, the Ain't No Stopping Us Now tour, they had like little videos and vignettes in their show um, where other people weren't really doing that. And I think a lot of the different groups started kind of borrowing those things and putting those in their show. So there are, there are groups and people that now do video vignettes in their show. I mean, obviously to facilitate a costume change or whatever, but like, or to start the show. Um, but yeah, it's, it's cool to kind of see that NSYNC was kind of on the ground floor and maybe just because they were like, this is what we want to see this. This would be a show I would go to, you know, I think JC said it that they put on a show that they would want to see like, dang, did you see all of that? He's like, we can't. We can't do a show that's not that kind of show where it's like, dang, did you watch them just do that? So I feel that. Uh, when I talk to people now, it's just kind of they have an image in their mind of excitement. And I think that's what maybe could live on is this feeling of excitement, knowing that something big was going to happen. I felt like because we pushed ourselves so hard, we were focused on creating these big moments. Right. We wanted these moments where we stepped out there to be a huge experience right. for everyone. And I feel like, you know, in retrospect, when I talk, you know, to people about their memories, that's what they think. They go, it was huge. It was, you know, you guys did this and you came down out of the ceiling or, yeah. you know, you lit. The excitement. You're yeah. Right. yeah. There was a feeling of excitement because we we're focused on creating events. It wasn't like there were no throwaways. Mm -hmm. When we when we stepped out on the stage, every song we performed, we performed with intention mm -hmm. and there were no throwaways. Mm -mm. And never lip sync. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I have to keep reminding people. It's like, yeah. no, we actually did sing. Yeah. I promise. Yeah. I promise. Yeah, I feel like that's the whole the whole like sort of driving movement behind NSYNC too, is that like they want to just amaze everybody and and um, it's just, it feels very like self-directed and very um, like authentic. I don't know if uh, that's yeah. the right word for it, but I mean, you can just sense it that NSYNC really is the product of these five guys. It is. Um, I think they, they probably, as far as like their input for like the show and choreography and choreographers and all that stuff was very much 
I mean, in the beginning, obviously not them, but as they started getting that kind of, I guess you would call it power in their sphere, they were the ones directing. They were the ones making sure that this looked like this Um, and that their show looked, and it's going to sound weird when I say this, but their show kind of looked the same. Um, I was very lucky and blessed to have gone to multiple shows on multiple tours and their show looks the same for kind of everybody. I mean, there's little things, obviously, like where they're talking and all that kind of stuff that's different. But as far as the production is concerned, the show you saw in New York City is the show that you're going to see in Los Angeles. It, the show is the same so that you have that experience and you can talk to other people and be like, oh my gosh, did you see that part where Joey flew over the audience? Yeah, I totally saw that part. It was amazing. You know, and I think that was that was part of it. That was part of that for them. It, it kind of had to be sort of a same show, but people pick different parts out. It's just funny thinking back to like 20, 25 years ago. I mean, today when there are those little changes like in the set list or somebody makes an ad lib or something, um, it gets reported on Twitter and, you know, everyone knows about it like 30 seconds after it happens. But, um, I mean, back then you would just, you were walking in fresh. I think you, unless, um, you were on like a Usenet form. I mean, where, <laughs> where, like how did, how did early fans, like, how did you guys, did you know what was going to happen on the tour? Like what was the, um, what was the, the like fan networking like back then? I talk about it being like the baby internet. Um, back then there, it was very much everybody. And I say everybody like loosely, cause I'm sure there were not it wasn't every single person on the planet, but, um, everybody kind of connected through AOL, which I know sounds really ancient at the time, but nobody was really kind of using the internet feature of AOL at that point. Everybody was kind of just dropping into chat rooms and chatting with people. Um, and it sounds crazy, but even like the NSYNC guys had their own like screen names because everybody had screen names and everybody was talking to everybody. I mean, digital get down digital started get down. for a reason. <laughs> for a reason. So you kind of met up with kind of fan communities that way. Um, Somebody, you would go sign into your AOL account and you would look in the chat rooms and there would be like, you could pick chat rooms that you wanted to join or you could start your own um, little private chat rooms and you would find NSYNC chat rooms. So you would go in there and you would start talking to fans and somehow everybody kind of just connected. I think that's what happened for me. That's how I met Jury. We just, I just connected with her at some point in a chat room or something. I can't even remember now. We've been friends with her so long. Um, but because of AOL, you know, and then Dre was the one who was kind of more in, in the, on the internet side of the fan community as it started to expand. So she was part of the, what, it was a, it was a board. It was a, um, 
a message board. It was called the Just Justin board. Oh my gosh. Uh, the JJB uh, for short for anybody in the know. And it does still exist. I checked it a couple, probably like a month or two ago just to be like, does this still even exist? And it does, um, which is hilarious. But that's where everybody got their information um, as far as like what the concert might be like. Um, I think the only one that kind of nobody really spoiled because nobody saw the show and nobody heard it until really the first show was Pop Odyssey. Um, I'm I'm still very upset that I didn't go to the first show because it was in Jacksonville. Oh, no. I'm so upset. Um, but uh, people went, people I know went. And I was like, oh, my gosh, how was the show? Because my first show was uh, in Las Vegas. So, see, I traveled to go see them. Oh, yeah. Um, it was in Las Vegas. It was uh, Challenge for the Children weekend was my first show, um, which oddly was the weekend that, like, right after the Celebrity dropped. So Celebrity came out like that Tuesday and Challenge weekend was Friday. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, so they were on tour for probably a good month and a half or so without an album. And that's tough because then you have audiences that don't know the songs. And I mean, again, like and today, like you'd have um, people recording the audio and would upload it so that, I mean, by the next show, everyone would everyone online would know but yeah or, those days. or even video mm-hmm. people you know film like concerts all the time now like it it used to be a, a huge thing to try to sneak in a video camera to videotape a concert like yeah. but now everybody's got a phone you well, know it's funny watching these old concerts and you'll see the people in the audience with their little like disposable cameras <laughs> Oh, they, I remember when they made the disposable camera rule, um, for NSYNC events, I think it was during Pop Odyssey, feels about right, feel like that was when they were like, you guys can only bring disposable cameras, because I would assume people were getting really good pictures, and, and obviously they didn't want lots of pictures out there in the world of, of like concerts and, and that kind of stuff, you know, people would try to steal ideas or whatever um but so they made a rule only disposable cameras I remember taking disposable cameras to challenge in Vegas how were the pictures absolutely terrible (laughs) (laughs) nobody has good pictures not a single good picture is to be had (laughs) um because they were like you can take as many pictures as you want disposable only and I mean they were serious about it um like if you had a real camera of any kind, they would, they would confiscate it. So you would, now you were sneaking in real, like still picture cameras. If you wanted decent pictures of, of the show. Um, but disposable cameras were, <laughs> were rough. <laughs> oh my gosh. So bad. <laughs> um, my pictures are not that great. I probably will never share them because yeah. they're just terrible. Oh my um, gosh. We can only hope for, I think it was, because I listened to all the um, Lance 20th anniversary um, podcast episodes for um, No Strings Attached. And yeah, oh my God, those were amazing. But I think it was Chris who said his mom was working on a a tour book or a tour. She's working. Whatever happened to that. Um, I don't know what happened with it. I think somebody asked him and he didn't, 
I don't know if he answered the question. I can't even remember, but I, I'm pretty sure she's still working on that book. Um, but don't ask me any specifics on it. I wish I had some, but I don't. Because that would be amazing. I would 100% buy like a big coffee table book, you know, with like big glossy pictures and like anecdotes. So, um, yeah, Chris's mom, please come through. Come through. Come through, Bev, please. <laughs> I I was sitting with friends uh, last night and I was thinking about, and this has zero to do with NSYNC, but does have to do with a boy band. Um New Kids on the Block had a professional photographer with them, and she did, like, a coffee table book, I think. Oh, really? Um, yes. Uh, it's, uh, yay, look at me and all my knowledge. I to, um, yeah, I'm going to have to go look it's for this. It's called, if you, um, if you go, I've only seen them on eBay, so people are selling them, but they're all in pretty good condition, and they're not super-duper expensive. Yeah. Um. It is just simply called New Kids on the Block by Lynn Goldsmith. And it's a big coffee table book. It came in hardcover and softcover. And she went and took all these pictures. And it's just a photo album, basically, of the New Kids on tour, them with them in their messy hotel rooms and like just like really good professional pictures. Um, and then I know there is, there's sort of one for NSYNC. I say sort of. Um, Melinda Bell actually helped with it. Um, and it's just a photo book of them, but like early days of NSYNC, like pre No Strings Attached. Oh my gosh, I'm going to have to um, look for that one too. Um, it's got blue. I think it's just called NSYNC, but don't quote me. I'm trying to like picture it in my head. Um, I have it like on a list of things that I need to replace in my collection, um, but I can't think of the name of it off the top of my head right now. Yeah, I'm a big collector of um, stuff. I'm actually recording this on top of, um, um, I'm at my parents' house and I have my mic um, propped up on a Bay City Rollers, um, huge Bay City Rollers, like volume, like 500 pages of Bay City Rollers history. So That's amazing. <laughs> That's actually amazing. That's cool. Um, yeah, those are, those are the two um, that I recommend, I guess, if you want like a picture book for tour groups but the I remember the new kids one being like a really big deal and I remember when they released it it was it was really expensive and I knew I couldn't ask my parents to like buy it for me I was like there's no way but I really want it so bad <laughs> they're not gonna buy this for me um but back in the day I mean now yeah people are like as they clean out as they're doing stuff you could probably get a decent copy for way less than it originally cost well that's why in a lot of ways being a um mature fangirl has its advantages especially when you're looking to snap up um merchandise from 20 years ago yes <laughs> <laughs> people are like I'm, I'm just gonna get rid of this great then i'll take it yeah then uh thank you yeah, Thank when you. I um, was doing research for my big um, boy band episode, I spent a lot of time looking on eBay at old issues of like Teen People and Tiger Beat and um, like all that stuff. And people, I mean, are just getting rid of these um, magazines. Uh, but yeah, they're they're fun to look through. It's good to like look through and see kind of like what the what the fashion was and who was like the big. Like, who are the big people, especially, like, in a teen people or a tiger beat? You're like, oh, 
That's yeah. who was big back then? Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> well, it was just funny, like, when, you know, all that, um, that rush of boy bands came out, like, in sort of the late 90s, um, early 2000s. I mean, it just booted, like, all the previous guys, like, off of Tiger Beat. I mean, it was like, bye-bye, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Like, here's Justin Timberlake. Hello, all the Justin Timberlake content you can handle. <laughs> This whole issue is just about Justin Timberlake. Sorry. There's a new JT in town. <laughs> you know what's funny is I I have a vivid memory of, I don't even know what it was I was watching, but um, it was back in that time when I was like watching these things like at the library. And um, I guess it was like they were on a tour bus and Justin was complaining about his like baby blue like baby blue was his color and no one else could wear it do you have any idea what I'm talking about I know exactly what you're talking about and Chris says something to the effect of Justin sees baby blue he's like no that one's mine and none of us (laughs) no one else can wear it I want to say it was when they were on um the MTV show House of Style um with Rebecca Romaine well she was Rebecca Romaine at that point but Romaine Stamos yeah blah 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 add O'Connell. Now she's Rebecca O'Connell. Oh, yeah, I think. that's right. Yeah, it's, um, been, it's been a lot of husbands since her Rebecca yeah, Romaine days. Rebecca Romaine days. I think she's had a couple of husbands. But um, yes, that, I remember that because Chris is like, no, it's mine. <laughs> <laughs> and it's mine. Yeah, I think it was House of Style. I think that was what it was. It was on MTV. Okay. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. Like, because I watched um, Josie and the Pussycats um over the weekend and there's that whole intro with du jour and they start bickering about like a face and seth green's like he stole my face only i can make the and he does like a funny face with like you know like a teen teen idol face yeah and they start bickering about it and i was laughing and then i remembered the baby blue conversation i was like oh my god <laughs> the baby blue controversy oh yes this is a real thing they they got they got it right on on josie the pussy cats for sure oh my god they got it so right and i did check um and i, I think it's today actually robot chicken is having a du jour reunion yes i'm so excited about this and oh, i yeah. shouldn't be- <laughs> I shouldn't be this excited about du jour reuniting, but... Well, you know what they say. Nobody rocks the mic like du jour. Like du jour. (laughs) (laughs) Staying at the top of our game From east to west We know you already know our name Du jour watching um that movie because it just felt like so I don't know like nostalgic on the one hand but then on the other hand I was thinking like oh my god I mean we used to have to wait for a video to come on TRL 
to watch to see to make sure that you were going to see that video I mean there was no YouTube you couldn't just like watch it whenever you wanted like you had to wait there was no on demand unless you like recorded it you know like there was no like hey I want to watch this video right now I want to see the vibe the bye 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 video right now unless you recorded it or knew somebody who had it recorded somewhere on a VHS you couldn't see it like right when you wanted to watch it and I think that's kind of kind of part of the it there's a difference like in the fandom and I think that's part of it because now we can watch it on demand you can search it pull it up and watch it whenever you want as opposed to like, which videotape did I put that on? <laughs> you know, or or it's 3.30 in the afternoon. Now I have to wait for it to be number whatever on the countdown. Yeah, yeah. And it was always like, um, it, it, yeah, it was just like you had to work for it. It wasn't yes. just, you couldn't just turn it on and then watch it. Like you had to, yeah, you had to either record it on VHS and label it and be like, mom do not record over this video and like, you know, um, don't record for this tape because mm-hmm. it's the only copy that I have of this video or this thing. And when yeah. I want to watch it, I want to be able to watch it. It did feel like a very different, like content was a lot more like precious in a way. Like you couldn't, like you didn't want to waste anything and where I feel like now, I mean, you can go on like Tumblr and there's just like gifts of everything. And, um, cause I was rewatching a little bit of, um, uh, the pop odyssey i think it was yeah and there was just like some moment with um you know jc and justin like on um like the thrust stage or whatever and i was like oh my god like if this was today someone would have that gift and you could just watch it on a loop like 800 million times like them being cute but like back in the day you had had to if you wanted to see that again you'd be like okay so i have to rewind the tape or like go back in the you DVD. have to rewind it go back yep. yeah yeah, it, it's um, the on demand thing is is so cool. And yet at the same time, I, I'm it sounds weird, but I'm a little nostalgic for like what like what it was where you kind of had to find those things or know where those things were, as opposed to like just kind of throwing it in a search bar. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, you would have had to go to your AOL chat room and be like, OK, so at 39 minutes <laughs> In 18 on seconds. The, <laughs> on the did you guys see the moment at 39 minutes and 18 seconds? Because I saw it. Did you guys see this? Go get your DVD and and look. And then, of course, then you talk about it with all your friends. Oh, yeah, that was the best moment. Blah, blah, blah. And then if you happen to, like, talk to your your friends on AOL, but they were also your real life friends, you would get together and be like, remember 39 minutes and 18 seconds? I have it queued up. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to find that moment I'm talking about and link to it, like, <laughs> on the episode post. <laughs> it was it was really cute, like, legitimately really cute. Um, but, yeah, well, why don't we um, talk a little bit about, uh, speaking of JC, about JC um, and Justin. Um, I was trying to explain, I guess, to my brother the other day, just what had happened sort of with the with the solo albums and with JC I mean it's it's hard like looking back now and he just like shines on stage I mean his his voice and his um, musical talent and 
his just sort of unique songs that he wrote um, that just provided, like they added so much to sort of what NSYNC was musically. And then um, it just sort of disappears. And I remember like back, back then I wasn't, I wasn't like following too closely. I mean, I was in college and um, trying to, you know, find a job and um, not sleep on a mattress on the floor. <laughs> you I mean, know? that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I didn't have a lot of money for like stuff. And, um, you know, so I, I wasn't really all that tuned in. But I do remember um, when Justin's solo album came out because um another friend who I had gotten into in sync just because she also really liked um their you know their, their well their live band was so good and like they were so good live and um Justin's live band was also excellent and his live um DVDs are really good but it was always like well you know there was this like rumors of JC putting something out too and it just like kind of never happened and then we all just sort of forgot about it you know you get the distinct impression now that he was sort of pushed aside or just sort of left hanging um in favor of Justin's um career going forward and it's really I don't know it just feels so like such a waste like of talent and I mean I'm sure he's sort of come to peace with everything but I don't really have like you know insider information or anything about it but um I do remember and this is this is all my like personal like feeling it's not like a general consensus of any of the fandom and I'm speaking for the whole fandom I'm kind of speaking for myself and even people that I was around um, like my friend group and core, um, Justin's solo for us, my core, my group, um, felt kind of heartbreaking for us because I think in some weird roundabout way, without ever hearing anything from Justin without a single or anything, it felt like an end of sync. And that hurt us as NSYNC fans. And then, of course, his album came out and I was like, oh, my gosh, it's good. This is not going to be good. It's good. And I like it. And I'm mad that I like it because, ah. So, baby, make your move, take charge. Show me what you got for me. And then JC's solo came out, and I liked JC's solo. Um, I liked it a lot, actually. And I think it was partially because I was a an older fan of NSYNC. So, like, the songs and stuff for me were were on this different level as opposed to, like, say like an NSYNC fan who might have just been like a teenager at the time. It was not your parent friendly NSYNC music. Um, when Digital Get Down came out, 
well, as it wasn't a single, but when it was on No Strings Attached, there were parents who were very upset by this. And I thought it was the greatest song ever. But of course, I was an older fan. I had no idea parents complained about Digital Get Down. Well, yeah. It wow. was because it well, because it's a very sexual song. Yeah. I mean in yeah. sync tried to like I say in sync as a group. Um <laughs> but really it was JC. Um JC tried to kind of take the heat away from it because people were asking about it, obviously. Um, and he kind of tried to take the heat away from it, saying, Oh, it's about a party in a chat room. And I was like, We're not listening to the same song, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what kind of parties and chat rooms you have, but that song's not about that. <laughs> but I think with JC's solo, it was kind of like, well, we have Justin and he's kind of doing really well. You should do a solo album too. And JC being very much liking to be kind of producing and making music, he was just like joking around kind of making songs with his friends. You know, and he made all these songs. And in my opinion, Jive was like, well, you have, you know, 15 songs. Let's just make that an album. And Jay-Z was like, "Okay," you know, and it wasn't necessarily meant to be on any album. It was just him kind of being creative in that break time while Justin goes off and does his solo thing that he wanted to do. Yeah, so like it wasn't meant to be kind of a unified artistic statement saying, this is who I am. It was like stuff that he had fun making. Yes. Yeah. And he was just recording with his friends, you know, um, saying like, hey, today let's do this song. I wrote it, you know, while I was just sitting at home yesterday. Let's do let's record this. Okay, what does it sound like? Oh, this. And they just recorded it and they just had it kind of chilling because it was just fun to record music and make music. And I don't think like if you really listen to to Schizophrenic, it doesn't really showcase his voice, obviously, because he was just like goofing off, you know, like in the studio, just singing, you know, whatever. Come into my room, let's break all the rules. Who knows what we'll do? Anything is possible. Can you feel it, baby? Can you feel it, baby? Oh, Cause it's alright right now. Got me burning sugar, got me burning sugar. Oh, oh, come on, yeah, babe. I've been dying to tell you something. Ooh, 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 yeah. Cause you're some special sugar. I can't get enough of your love. Darling, ooh, 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 yeah, it's just something special, something special. He has an amazing voice, and you hear it on on things like No Strings Attached. You hear his voice, even on their first album, you hear it. But this was not something meant to necessarily showcase and say, this is who I am as an artist. This is what you have to look forward to, you know, that kind of thing. Whereas Justin's was like, this is who I am as an artist. You know, this is my evolution. You've seen me like in NSYNC and the boy band and how our boy band sound was evolving. This is the next step where JC's was kind of like, yeah, this is what I felt like recording day. So I did. I mean, and I think you're right that like, 
justified in a lot of ways is taking what they did on that last album and kind of just tweaking it just a little bit to make it just a little bit more like, you know, adult almost or like cool. And it really does feel like the, the next evolution of NSYNC, except there's no, there's only one voice on it. Yes. I think Justified was more like, a, okay, we're going to, we're going to kind of step you out of what's seen as a like teen thing. You know what I mean? And we're going to kind of step you up a little bit older. So maybe like a 20s thing, but not, you know, blatantly an older 20s. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, whereas JC, JC's album is very much like a, I'm in my mid to late 20s. These are the things that I'm experiencing, the things that I'm going through kind of thing. And now we've kind of made an album out of it. I don't know. I think we we were we he got cheated by Jive very much um, on that. Like they they were like, we we will take a solo album from you. JC goes, okay, here's a bunch of songs. They were like, great, we're gonna put it out. And then Jive was like, oh, it didn't do like Justin's did. Well, good luck promoting it. You know? Yeah, it's. I mean, it is. I just feel so short sighted from Jive but I mean I guess it just also shows kind of the naivety um of like a young JC I guess yeah it just I don't know like he he almost like he took them at their he took them at their word I think and he did he wasn't like a sav he wasn't thinking like a savvy like career-minded artist like he was thinking like someone who just enjoys making music um and it kind of just backfired it kind of bit him in the butt I think he he was also kind of thinking well you know Justin's album is out and this is like his little break from NSYNC and Lance and Joey are off acting and Chris is doing Chris things he's also you know, Chris had started a, a band called Nigel's Eleven. So Chris was also making music. And JC kind of was like, well, I need something to do during the break. Oh, I'm making music. That's cool. And I think a solo album for him was, this is what we're, what I'm going to do until we get back together with it as, as a group. It wasn't a career move, whereas Justin kind of doing his solo was a career move he was going to be a solo artist. Yeah. I don't think he was even planning like like the way they they kind of sold it to even to us as fans was they were just taking like a six month break. Like it was just a break so that Justin would uh, yeah. do a solo. I remember that. Yep. Um, they were all going to get back together. And I think in my mind, and it's going to sound weird when I say this, Justin went solo. And at that point, then once he started becoming successful, other groups started trying to push out solo members. So if you, I don't know if you totally remember, but Nick Carter went, had a solo album kind of around the time Justin's came out. Um, Nick Lachey had a solo album. So they kind of were trying to get like certain members of the groups to kind of be solo and nobody really had that success. 
that Justin did. And I know like with Backstreet Boys, even though I'm a huge fan of theirs, um, they, I know AJ did several like little side projects, but he always went back to Backstreet, you know? And I think that was how they sold Justin solo to us as fans as Justin's going to go do this for a little bit and then he's going to come back and you're going to have him sing again. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, Cause I do remember sort of waiting and waiting like, well, when is the next album going to come out? Because mm-hmm. I loved, like I love celebrities so much. And then I was like, well, okay, you know, justified is good, but. <laughs> what, something... What's the next for NSYNC? Yeah. What, what's the next NSYNC album? Because, I totally. Yeah. I mean, there is something about like the, the vocal group that, is just special and I mean I don't think you really hear groups like this anymore but I mean I I feel like we were just so spoiled for choice like back in the day because you had you know you had boys to men you had like um color me bad um what was that other group uh Jodeci And most of them were like R&B groups, but like they could cross over into like a pop kind of yeah. sphere. And people loved that. Like it was a whole like, you know what? You, if you're going to have a group of of guys sing, they need to be like a boys to men or they need to be like a Jodeci or a Color Me Bad or a, or a Backstreet Boys. Like they had to be able to sing and harmonize. And um, I mean, in sync, you know this last couple months and I've been really deep diving, like, you know, you don't realize how much of that sync sound is like Chris hitting the high, like harmony parts, like yep. over top of, um, and Justin and JC, like trading off leads. And then Chris, like you can hear him clear as day, like in every live performance. And like that, it's not an sync song without Chris there, you know? being get carrying that like high those high notes um I always say NSYNC was very lucky because and it's going to sound strange when I say it because of Robin Wiley she was actually the vocal coach for Mickey Mouse Club so they were very lucky that Robin was there to kind of craft that for them and and actually put their voices to the right notes and harmonies and so much so that like if you do another deep dive into NSYNC and you find some of their old performances they used to just ask them to sing acapella whenever 
and there was no like prep they would just be like all right sing sing a little bit for us and then sing would be like and they would sing it it would be beautiful we haven't sang in like two years <laughs> wow how do we end it, Is it like us? I don't know. to see me right here whatever whatever oh yeah okay Ready? Well, it's more than a feeling When I hear that old song they used to play And I begin to dream it I see Mary and walk And it was a lot of Robin's like coaching and and kind of putting together that sound for them, um, which they were very blessed to to have that um, that piece. I'm not saying that other groups didn't have that. Don't get it twisted. I don't know, but especially in sync had that 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 piece. Yeah, and in that that sound that um those harmonies and i also think that um you can hear a lot of i don't want to say old-fashioned but um like you can hear sort of the the building blocks of of other genres like in their sound like the whole um you know the song they did from richard marx um you can hear that kind of like singer song writer melody in some of their songs and they did um you know a song from teddy riley and you can hear like that influence in their sound and um they kind of just in in my ears anyway they bring together all these strains these all these various strains of um of different kinds of of singing and songwriting and they make it like an in-sync sound like they make it like their own um kind of pop like their own kind of pop music but you can hear like the building blocks from these other like greats these other legends like in their sound and to me that's just so cool like you don't hear a lot of that of these melding of all these different genres i think they and again personal opinion um i think that they because of who they listen to do you know what i mean so like if you were a fan back in the day, you knew Joey was really into like the fifties, sixties kind of doo groups. And you knew Chris was really into like the, the rocker, the more rock groups, like no doubt. And that kind of genre, that kind of alternative genre. And you knew that Justin was really into R and B and you knew that JC was really into like those outside genres, like dance. And like he would pull in singer songwriter and he was really into those kinds of that kind of music. So I think as a group, they wanted to do all of that kind of music. So they just brought it to the, brought it into their sound. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it, it, it's just so unique, like to have all of these different influences and have them meld together. And I guess, yeah, you're right. It would take somebody like um, a, a really talented arranger to um, just make it work. And if I remember correctly, Robin had like a jazz background. Yes. Um, she um, was an arranger. It's going to sound really strange. Right? She was an arranger for Muzak. So like the, like the music that you hear like in the, in the elevators and stuff that isn't like pop music, but 
you know the song, but it's all instrumental. Like she used to arrange that kind of stuff. is so odd what an odd job like who has that job you don't know but she was the person who kind of arranged the that kind of thing um and I think it it was during the week I like to call it in sync week but it really was in sync week on on Lance's podcast he talked about that that she was an arranger basically for um, Muzak and the first song that NSYNC sang together as as the five of them, the Star Spangled Banner, she arranged on the plane coming to meet all five of them. Like she arranged their arrangement of the Star Spangled Banner on the plane. That's which yeah. is crazy. Like, how do you imagine what that sounds like? I don't. I don't really have like a huge musical well, that's, background again, in that in that respect. But gosh, that takes a lot of. I mean, it takes a lot of training. And um, I mean, when I when I was at music school, you know, 20, 20 years ago. I was, <laughs> <Ow>. <laughs> But, um, you know, I, I really did. I learned a lot there. I mean, I don't work in music now, but um, just the the different kinds of things that you need to be able to do to put together a vocal group. Um, and again, like their live band was so good. Um, and just to be able to kind of 
to sing, sing harmony, dance, all with a live band, um, you know, no pre-recorded vocals, like no, um, like no sweeteners, like no, um, sending your, your, I mean, cause back then too, like, I mean, yeah, pro tools existed and, um, auto tune existed, but it, it wasn't like, I mean, you used it to like tweak notes here or there. You, you didn't yeah, use a whole in auto tune. Like that yeah. wasn't, a- <laughs> it wasn't a thing. And so like the, I mean, that, that last album with BT producing, I mean, that was what he was known for was, and I guess that's the JC influence because BT was like a dance electronica producer. I actually saw BT live. Oh, really? Um, And when I saw him live was after, like way after NSYNC. um, And I saw him craft a song on stage and I literally, like, my jaw, like, hit the floor. And I was like, this is how pop came about. OMG. Because I remember BT talking about how basically Justin beatboxed the the beat. And then BT broke it up into pieces and then put it back together. Yeah, his, I mean, he was really, like, popular around, because um, I, I did um, music production as my major and like BT was like popular around um, like the music production, like students, um, because, you know, back then, like, yeah, he was known for stuff like um, time correcting rain, like the sound of rain. Back then, I mean, now you could just send rain like through an app or whatever. And, um, right. you know, and everyone's like, no big deal. But like back then you would have had to like manually like chop all the different sounds and like put it back together. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I mean, it wasn't like cutting up tape, you know, um, yeah, to that extent. Like editing tape, but like it still was like, it was amazing. I was totally yeah. stunned. And I literally, my brain went, this is how we did it. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> literally how he did this. This, this is amazing. Um, just watching him craft. Um, we, we did get sort of lucky because we did get JC on, on a BT album. Um, he did two songs with BT. Um, I didn't know that. <laughs> All right. I'm going to find them and I'm going to insert some of that here. <laughs> Cry your eyes 
Like, you just made my day. This is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm helping you out. Um, Force of Gravity is probably one of my absolute favorites. Um, and because when it, it wasn't even technically a song that was supposed to be released, um, BT would close his shows with Force of Gravity. So it wasn't recorded. Like, he recorded with JC basically and just kind of you know, put it in his, in his library. And it wasn't like something that that was going to be on an album or anything. Um, and I don't know how it got leaked, but then he put it on an album. So both songs are on the same album. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm definitely going to find those. Um, Force of Gravity was one of my absolute favorites. It still is. It comes on, like I put it in my playlist and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I love this song so much. (laughs) Um, but he literally just closed his sets with it and he didn't tell anybody that it was JC. It was like, it was kind of like a secret song that he would just close out his, his DJ sets with and people would go nuts. So yeah. there's, there's a song for you. There's that one. And then JC also did a song with Basement Jacks. So he did a lot of dance songs. Um, Basement Jacks is uh, Plug It In. I do remember there was that trend like, well, yeah, like forever ago. Um, yeah, because I think, was it Chemical Brothers and like Noel Gallagher? And um, yeah, there was a bunch of like singers doing. Doing just tracks with dance yeah. producers. Um, and I know that, that the, basement, the Basement Jacks one came about because I was really into like anything JC was on or JC was doing. Um the Basement Jack song, they actually wanted Justin because he was obviously the more successful member at that point. Um, and somebody presented JC to them and they were like, this worked out so much better than we thought it was <laughs> out. And I love Plug It In because it's like a little bit, It's it could technically probably be on Schizophrenic as a JC song. Yeah, It doesn't really showcase his voice so much, but it's just that crazy kind of sound kind of almost sounds like a video game i haven't thought about basement jacks in so long this is like such a trip down memory lane (laughs) you're welcome this is what i do we reminisce (laughs) i love it oh but so like so bt and his like time corrected reign but what i i loved about celebrity and like what i love about male like vocal groups and like the the like the sound of the harmonies and like their voices like autotune and some of the processing that's done on a lot of singers today, like it just makes it makes the voice sound kind of hollow almost or just not not as rich as it could be. But when you listen to in sync, like you hear like that warmth and you hear like the the their voices kind of blend together and like that's it just sounds very like human and you can like you can feel the emotions and that on top of BT's like crazy time corrected rain and and like it, it just <laughs> it made for such a like fascinating and just like intricate and it just some it sounded like something I'd never heard before at the time and I just yeah it's I feel like it's a, a forgotten gem amongst like the pop music canon. Um, I, to me, I think like just that 2000, 2001, I don't know. Like, I just feel like 
that was sort of the peak of pop music in a lot of ways. Like that was right before like the iPod came out and like right before people stopped buying CDs and like everyone started streaming and, and um, people stopped buying albums. And I mean, there were like a few little bursts of, of amazing things that happened after that. But I feel like like that 2000 when in like 2001, like you're never going to have another group selling albums like No Strings Attached like ever again. No, I it- Dre and I always say that NSYNC still holds the record whatever for Adele (laughs) because well we say that because NSYNC really like to sell no strings attached we had to go to a store and physically buy CDs like it wasn't that we could just like click a button on our on our Apple Music or click a button on Spotify or whatever and have the album you literally had to go to the store physically to pick up a copy you know and what if you got there and they didn't have any yeah yeah <laughs> and it would just be, yeah it would be like um Josie and the Pussycats where you go where like they, where they, they go to the CD store and there's like the CD store DJ like you had your like Virgin Megastore like DJ um yep. yeah and if you were sold out of albums like that's it like too bad like you can't get one you'd have to wait till they got them yeah. you know like it was and you you obviously want to get it on release day. So we always say, whatever, Adele, you don't have the record. It's still in sync. Um, they hold the record still for us in our little hearts. I mean, numbers wise, no, but, <laughs> but, but, you know, they're still wise. number two and still like they're two and three, I think, if I remember correctly, because Celebrity sold like 1.8 million copies in, a, in, a, in the first week. Yeah. So they're still like two and three, but. No, they're still number one in our mm. little hearts because you physically had to buy the CD. Yeah, and now like stands have all these like elaborate accounting spreadsheets and stuff. And they'd be like, okay, so if you buy 10 tracks on iTunes, that counts as one album equivalent unit. And, like... it, it's so different now with <laughs> streaming. There's like, it counts as this many. And if you stream it this many times, that counts yeah. as a unit. And I was like, I don't have time for that. I just want to buy a CD. Like, <laughs> let's do it as much as I want. Um, yeah, and I don't have a spread. I don't need a spreadsheet to help me listen to an album. I can just listen to it. Thanks. I can just go to the store, buy it, and let's do it. Thanks. Um, <laughs> but I mean, that's that's like the reality of like how the music industry has changed. You know, like it it was very much like a a purchase driven thing like you literally had to go to a store yeah. there was no, there was no streaming there was no there was not even like an iTunes where you would buy the album on iTunes you know like there was either go to the store and buy it or don't do this but have your friends burn it for you until you can go to the store and buy it you know like it was it was that kind of yeah era. and I, I think it's I mean I, I think for all the the nice things about having like anything you want just kind of on demand I think the the benefit of having like an album that you bought and paid for once um without having to worry about streams or you know that kind of thing is that you can have like little weird songs like um Space Cowboy Space Connect to overthrow your interception ready your night make it hot there ain't no question get in sync and put your head to the sky keep the faith one love from left eye left eye you 
like you're not going to put space cowboy like on streaming uh, you know like it's that's not a song that like people are going to be listening to like over and over and over i mean okay maybe i would be listening to it over and over and over again but these little kind of strange songs that are a little offbeat like you you aren't necessarily gonna put those or like the the acapella number like like me personally i'm gonna listen to that all the time because i love hearing them sing acapella but but like the one-off songs like like a bring in the noise like a like a um like just the two of us or whatever on celebrity like those aren't the singles you're not going to put that on a greatest hits or or anything where people would be like oh yeah i love this sync song but if you buy the album you know you're going to put that on your in your cd player and you're going to hear it over and over again you know yeah and i think like a song like like the the big singles that were on the radio and um you heard like a billion times um it's like one of those things like like you hear it a lot of times you're like oh okay like you kind of get tired of it but if you're listening to the album then you do get those little um yeah like the the um this i promise you you know you do get that song on there and it's like it kind of balances out the the like super sugary pop of like the hits yes and it makes it like a complete package and i feel like you don't get the full in sync like experience if you're only listening or like you only put on you know bye 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 like on youtube or whatever and you're like oh okay i kind of get what in sync are like no you don't you don't get it you don't understand i think and it's gonna sound crazy and i'm sure it's been said a million times but bye 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 for me having you know kind of loved them pre the lawsuit and bye bye yeah. like this was a totally different sound for in sync um if you go back to their first album, their first album doesn't sound anything like No Strings Attached, even though you had like the same kind of producers and and whatnot. It doesn't sound the same. Um, and then the next step, you go to Celebrity, and it doesn't sound anything like No Strings Attached. And I think that growth is is kind of important, and you kind you miss it if you're just listening to kind of the the hits, if you will, you yeah. miss some of that growth. Like you miss JC's growth as like kind of more of a dance track producer. If you're just listening to bye, 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 because he didn't produce bye, bye, bye. Yeah. You know what I mean? But you hear his production on just the two of us or like any of those songs, like, you know, you miss it. I think having an album like physically for me, cause I like to also have the liner notes. Like that's really important to me personally. I like to see who who wrote the song and who produced the song. You don't really get that streaming or or digitally. It just all kind of blends together. And, you know, a song like, yeah, like Bye 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 or It's Gonna Be Me becomes just another entry on like This Is 90s or something like playlist Um, or This Is 2000s like playlist. And it, it just sort of erases the group in a way. And it just yes. becomes like another track on the radio. And um, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. It's kind of a shame that, that that's happened. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to single-handedly like stop people streaming. So I'm not going to stop people from streaming. I think streaming is great. Like, cause sometimes I just want to hear a specific song and I can just stream it. I totally, 
I totally get that. I'm not always carrying around, you know, my <laughs> CD player, you know, to pop in the CD or I don't actually have a record player to put on my vinyl, you know, well, I'm do, sitting but... at my, at, <laughs> but, but not if I'm sitting at like my job, oh, like, yeah. I don't yeah. have that. Like, and if I want to hear it on vinyl, I have to wait till, you know, I get home. Yeah. Um, but I think that the, the precious value is that I have the liner notes and I can go back and read, Oh, this song was written by this person or that person or, or produced by this group. And I can totally hear, you know, when I can go, Oh, this is totally produced by the Neptunes without ever knowing it was produced by the Neptunes because I have other CDs that have that sound. And I'm like, Nope, this is totally a Neptune song. I, I know exactly who produced this without ever having it because I can read it in a, in a, in a celebrity album that they produced, Girlfriend, oh, well, this sounds just like this song by this person, you know, without them ever saying it. But that's me, you know, loving on on having liner notes and knowing who's producing and and that kind of stuff. And it's not just necessarily like the hottest producer at the time. It's like, oh, this was produced by Teddy Riley. You mean, what do you mean Teddy Riley actually produced Just Got Paid by NSYNC? He also produced the original Just Got Paid by Johnny Kemp. What? That song is so good too. Who <laughs> doesn't like this campaign? <laughs> I I remember listening listening to No Strings Attached for the very first time. Um, the day it came out, um, my friends and I got our copies, and we literally got in my friend's car and drove around our hometown till we li- had listened to the whole CD. And I mean, from beginning to end, we had already heard Bye Bye Bye, but we listened to it anyway. <laughs> Um, and then we listened to the whole rest of the CD and I was like, didn't sing just do just got paid. And I was just singing along. I was like, what is happening right now? Just got paid. One of the best songs of the nineties. And here's my favorite group doing it. Oh my gosh. This is great. <laughs> JC's uh, verse. JC's verse is so good. His ad libs and like, oh, I don't have enough good things to say about JC. Well, nobody really does. I, I, <laughs> I, I think it's, it's a shame that he he didn't get so successful solo, but I think too, he also is good in a group. I've, and I've always said this about, about JC, even back in the day, I was like, you know what? And I was, I think I was watching, um, the Madison Square Garden concert. And I was like, you know, what's really cool about JC? He's okay being in like the front, but he's also okay being in the back. Yeah. Like he can move around and it's perfectly fine. And he's good at both. Well, you need people that are, are like that. Like you need people that are good at being in the back. Yeah. Yeah. And also people good at being in the front. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like he was, you know, he was one of the, the front men of NSYNC, but he was also good, you know, sitting in the studio producing a song by NSYNC, you know, or producing for other people. Yeah. Like he was, and he was good at it, you know, like whereas a, 
Whereas a Justin might be like really good at the front mm. where JC was good at both. And yeah. I was like, this, this like he, and he doesn't necessarily disappear in the back, you know, like you, you'll focus on him if he's, you know, dancing in the back, he's not singing lead, but in the same vein, he's really good standing in the front singing lead and you focus on him then too. Yeah. And I mean, I guess that's too where I developed a new appreciation for Chris, like watching some of this stuff back um, just after, you know, two decades of, of watching boy, <laughs> boy group DVDs and boy, like group. boy group stuff. Yeah. And I, yeah, I feel like Chris in a lot of ways is kind of the unsung hero of um, NSYNC with his high harmonies and, you know, his dancing and um, yeah. And just, I mean, putting the group together at the beginning. Yeah. I'm team Chris. I didn't think that I'd be saying that, you know, 25 years ago, but you know, here, here I am team Chris. Um, I think listening to Chris talk about how he just, he kind of just wanted to be in a group and he just put pieces together until it worked. Yeah. It's kind of a to like his drive and his, his, um, his wanting to be in a group, you know what I mean? Like he was like, well, I have a group of people, but this guy doesn't want to do it. And now this guy doesn't want to do it. Now it's just me in the group, but I'm going to make a group because I want to be in a group. And I, I think he put together, you know, five people that really just kind of clicked like personality wise, like as, as um, artists, you know, they, yes. all, they all brought something different. Um, they all brought different, different ways of um of singing and and different styles of show business that they liked and I mean I guess it was too good to last but when it was there it was just it was so so good it was so good (laughs) I think that the difference between like say like an NSYNC and and a Backstreet Boys um is that one of the members of the group put it together yeah that makes sense. Like Chris wasn't necessarily like following a, a formulation. Like he wasn't like, I'm looking for this, this type of personality or this type of like thing. Like I think with, with Backstreet Boys, they were kind of put together in the mold of a new kids on the block. So you were looking for, you know, the young blonde kid, you were looking for the, you were looking for the really sensitive older brother. You were looking for like these kind of personality traits that we kind of ascribed to the new kids. It wasn't necessarily true about their personalities, but like we assigned these personalities to them based on kind of how they looked and they kind of acted with each other. And then, and not to like disparage, you know, NSYNC's looks, but I mean, I think a lot of these boy groups too were put together because somebody was like, okay, well, these guys are cute. Yeah, these guys look like (laughs) NSYNC. NSYNC for me, and I always say this, (laughs) like, I can appreciate them, but I can say they were kind of just like regular guys. Just normal dudes who happen to be able to sing and dance really well. Just normal nobody put them together like hey he's good looking and that guy over there is good looking (laughs) and that guy's good looking and he's good looking and this guy he's good looking kind of but we'll put him in the group you know what I mean (laughs) like he can sing so it's fine that he's in the group you know but like within sync Chris was like well can you sing okay great (laughs) follow me and that's well can you sing awesome follow me (laughs) 
and that's unusual, I think, for for putting together like a quote unquote boy band, focusing yes. on like the the can you sing part first. Um, that's not every group for sure. It's not. I think it's very much like a and 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 maybe that's just a testament to um, the I guess bottom line for maybe say a record company where. How are we going to sell the most albums? Well, if they look really good, we can fix their voices in the studio kind of thing. I mean, that's literally the Millie Vanilli. Yes. I mean, that's literally the Millie Vanilli story. It is. You're right. We can fix their voices in the studio. They just look good, right? You know, it reminds me actually of the um, the episode of The Simpsons that NSYNC was on and like how Bart was in a boy band. Oh, my God. Like it was called Nukes on the Blech. Um, and I remember the one with the secret messages to like join the Navy. The secret messages <laughs> to join the Navy. Um, but remember, they were like, well, here's five dudes. They can't really sing, but they're going to sell a lot of records, you know, and they fixed their voices in the studio. Yeah. They didn't really care about like the <laughs> join the Navy. What? Why do you want Bart? He's not much of a singer. Marge, it's not the singing that brings in the Sacagaweas. Bart's a rebel, and that's what I need for my new band, the Party Posse. Yeah, um, and that's kind of my, I don't know, that's sort of one of the things that, um, you know, for all the, the horrible things that um, Lou Pearlman did, um, kind of the silver lining to him not really knowing all that much about show business was that he let Chris like, pick a group of guys do it. <laughs> he that could Chris all sing yeah and he was like okay yeah do it I'll fund it because oh, you, you guys are only supposed to be rivals to the Backstreet Boys anyway like it doesn't really matter what you do and um <laughs> yeah like for all that the horrible stuff that he did and you know um I think that's kind of the the little silver lining there of of him not knowing all really all that much about show business other than like he could make a lot of money exactly if he had two groups that kind of had a rivalry but see the funny thing and i and i've said this too and this is this is in no way shape or form diminishes my love for nsync but the thing that lou perlman didn't realize is that the group that he fashioned the backstreet boys after had no rival Mm. you know like new kids on the block were it so if you were a girl and into boy groups that's it yeah. And the person who made all the money off the one boy group made all the money, you know, yeah. like the general, to kind of Maurice Starr. Maurice Starr. Yeah. But to, but to kind of split, I mean, yes, he was kind of making like double the money sort of in a way because there were, there are people who like both, but really you kind of separated your big group of girls into two separate groups. Yeah. And I mean, the rivalry did drive things like, what is it they call it like what is it like engagement like fan engagement so you did have to like vote on trl if you didn't yeah you had to pick one at some point yeah and and i do have friends who who were into backstreet and in sync and it was it was very it was odd to me that they could be into both because they were so different yeah i mean i think that's another thing that kind of gets sort of erased you know, and as nostalgia kind of takes over, but the, I mean, the Backstreet Boys sounded different to NSYNC. Like they weren't just the same product in two different packages. Like 
they did sound different and they're they're they didn't have quite the like the sense of humor really that NSYNC had I think um or the the they just had a very different energy about them. I think the Backstreet Boys took themselves very, very seriously. Yes. And they yeah. still do. Don't like. Oh, yes. They still take themselves. I mean, and very for, for good reason. I mean, they still put out. They, I mean, they still put out good songs. You have to buy them in Japan, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they still do put out good music. So, I mean, I'm I'm more than happy to go see the Backstreet Boys. Like when they come through town, like. Um, but yeah, they do take themselves very seriously. Very serious. So like the Backstreet Boys, I wouldn't go on like a Saturday Night Live to make fun of themselves. Oh my God. You know? No refund. <laughs> Why don't you drive to my heart? Can I take your order? Look what you get for just one more quarter. NSYNC was like, yeah, sign us up. We'll do it. You know what I mean? They were like, yeah, we'll go on the SNL and make fun of ourselves. Why wouldn't we? That is hysterical. You know, um, back in the day, they used to sell like, like kind of anti-pop apparel. So there was like shirts that said like Spear Britney. Um, Joey would wear that shirt. Um, <laughs> there there used to be one that said in suck. Seven sync, but it was like yeah. their logo, but it didn't suck. Um, Chris wore the hat on TV. <laughs> like, like like they were they were okay not taking themselves quite so seriously and i think that's where your sense of humor comes in like they could laugh at themselves and be like okay you know like it's not it's not that serious yeah it's you just know, for we're fun. just making music and having fun doing it and we're very lucky that we're making a lot of money doing something that we love yeah i mean because i mean at the end of the day like i mean boy bands are kind of just they're funny like they're like it is it's just funny like it's du jour it's you know yes <laughs> we and like them but there's sure. yeah <laughs> and I mean that's one of the things I do love about um you know I've, I've spent yeah like the last you know however many years um just kind of obsessed with boy bands um from you know, Japan and Korea and um yeah like you can just tell like the ones that really do have a sense of humor about themselves and just make it fun for the the listener and they make it fun for the audience and I mean some of these groups I mean they're going on oh gosh I saw the Backstreet Boys on Music Station which is a big um uh sort of it's like a weekly live um show that okay the different bands come on and they sing and um yeah so i saw the backstreet boys on there with this um japanese group called v6 and v6 was like they were so excited because like we're all the same age <laughs> like, <laughs> like, and this was like just like two years ago or whatever and like the youngest members were like the same age and the oldest members are like the same age and they're like oh yeah we don't dance anymore either <laughs> like, that's amazing that's <laughs> really funny <laughs> But, That's hilarious. Yeah, but like, you know, they they have a pretty good sense of humor about themselves. Um and um yeah, I, I just really I 
I just love like this style of music and, uh, you know, NSYNC were kind of the last great ones to do it, um, over here. Yeah. Yeah. Which kind of like makes me a little sad. Like I can always listen to NSYNC and feel like the nostalgia and it takes me back to a certain place in time. But like, I almost wish there was one more NSYNC album, like if they could get over whatever they, whatever the thing is that's holding them back from doing like one more album. Like I don't, I wouldn't even, I couldn't even tell you what it would sound like, but I think it would be something so great. I mean, obviously the fandom would go crazy. I would but... buy it. I would buy the CD. I would buy like the limited edition CD. I'd, I'd probably have like 15 weird copies like floating <laughs> and just be like, Oh, here's another one. <laughs> I just, I bought it cause I love them so much. Uh, why do I have 17 copies? I don't know. No, I just saw it in the store and I was like, I wish I had it right now. <laughs> I need it right now to play in my car, but I don't have it in my car right this second. Um, so I think that like. I would love to hear that. I mean, I, there was a song, oh gosh, maybe this was 2017, but JC had a song um, for one of the J-pop boy groups I like called Exile the Second. He wrote a song for them, or he was like one of the writers on a song for them, which was good. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it would sound like. This one was kind of like R&B, but I don't, I don't know what it would sound like. Don't get, I wouldn't even, I couldn't even fathom what it might sound like as an, as an album for them. But even if I got just one, one more, I, I could probably not, I, I could probably be happier than, than having like a greatest hits. Like, yeah, we don't need the greatest hits. They released two greatest hits and I'm like, Except I own all of these songs, so why would I buy that? Yeah. <laughs> and and there are songs on there that like people didn't have or whatever, but because I was, you know, a fan kind of at the beginning, you kind of just even in that time you would trade with people, trade CDs or trade, you know, songs or your friends would download them from, you know, illegally or whatever, <laughs> from like LimeWire or Kazaa or, you know, or Napster and you'd be like wow I've never heard this in sync song before girl let me give it to you and they would give it and you would have it you know or they would record it on a cassette for you or whatever whatever oh, you'd that have your like. mixtape I, I used to so do you'd that have it on a mix I, would, tape. I would trade tapes um with people like back way back in the day like yeah you would record like we had live shows like cassettes of live shows mm-hmm. of, you would um, yeah and then trade them People trade them make, with friends. Yeah. There were people that would sell them, obviously. People would be like, hey, I got this, these 10 and sync songs that haven't ever been released or whatever. You know, you can buy it from me for an insane amount of money. And I'd be like, I don't need those songs. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll be okay if I don't have those songs because I didn't have those songs to begin with. Um, but as people started, you know, uploading them to different services and even now in the invention of YouTube, you know, you can go on YouTube and find some of those songs that were never released because like the producers or whoever is are just loading them to YouTube. They, you know, oh, they're not making money off of them. Speaking of that, what do you know about um, Bigger Than Live? Is that? Bigger Than Live was the um, IMAX presentation of the No Strings Attached tour. 
I never saw it because it was not an IMAX close to me. However, I was at the show that they filmed for Bigger Than Live. Wow. That was in Michigan? It was in Detroit. Detroit, yeah. And we just happened to be at that show. Like, so when we walked in, it said that they were filming um, and that we might be on camera, you know, and coming in the building means, you know, you give your consent. I was like, well, y'all could have told people that before they bought their tickets. Not that I was not <laughs> going to the insane concert I paid tickets for, but at least you, know, um, you need to have your makeup done then. Especially at that time, I just been like, yeah, whatever, put me on TV. I don't care. It sinks in the room. Um, but they um, filmed it in Detroit and it was just an IMAX presentation. But I want to say that it's not, it's not, I don't think it's the full show. I don't think they had you sitting in an IMAX theater for two hours. I think it was, it was a shorter version of it maybe an hour so they kind of edited it together but it wasn't like the madison square garden show because i i went looking on i mean i couldn't find like a dvd release or anything yeah it was only because it was imax so they never released it out as as a dvd um i think people have loaded some of it onto youtube but it's hard but it's hard to watch because it because of the IMAX presentation of it, you know how they have to film it with like the special cameras or whatever. Yeah. Um, it doesn't condense well onto like computer or, or phone. Um, so y- you might be missing some of the side piece of the, of the wider shots. Um, but don't quote me. I did, I did. I was at the physical show that it happened, but I never went and actually saw it. Although it was probably on my list of things to do because that was just when I had insane amounts of disposable cash. And if it <laughs> hadn't sank, then I was going to go to it or buy it. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's possible, but I, I think I never saw it because I didn't have an IMAX close to where I was. Um, Cause that was when, that was before everybody kind of did the bigger screen thing. Yeah. So there was certain places that had IMAX theaters where you could go see it. I really, I want to, I really want that now. I really want, I feel bigger. like we need to. <laughs> you need bigger than live. I want bigger than live in IMAX. I think, I think this needs to happen. I think we need the anniversary like cleaned up. The Criterion Collection maybe needs to get in on this. That that sounds like a plan. I'd go see it. I I know where there is an IMAX theater much closer to me than I think it was back then. Don't they want to get people back in the theaters? Like, let's go. Let's go. We're going to do bigger than live. What? Sold. (laughs) Done. How much your tickets? That's fine. (laughs) Sandra, that was your grocery money. It's fine. It's fine. (laughs) Don't worry about it. (laughs) Don't worry about it. I got this. Um, It's fine. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) <laughs> well, maybe on that note, um, we should wrap this up. Um, is there a, a song that you'd like to go out on or as an outro? What's a good outro song? Well, uh, I, yeah, think about it for a minute. Um, let me think about it for a minute. I yeah, mean, we did and, talk about like digital get down, which is totally oh, my favorite. That is a good one. That's a good one. Um, I'm trying to think of one that I've that I've kind of listened to more recently that might be a really a really good kind of outro song yeah let's do digital get down all right 
And um, before I leave, I will just say that um, for anyone listening that's not already a K-pop or J-pop fan, um, and you would like to kind of dip your toe in, um, I would recommend Shiny, who are a boy group. They're all in their 30s-ish now. Um, and they just put out a new album that was very good. And you can go back and watch their old videos and stuff on YouTube. And their choreography is very like unique. And they've got some really good singers. And um, they have, um, you know, songwriter in the band. And yeah, they're kind of, you know, in sync-y, I would say. So that's my Side note, I did watch Shiny um, the other night. So <gasps> there you go. <laughs> oh we God. we were watching uh, boy band videos and shiny was one of them okay. so yeah they're um they're really good i feel like they're kind of underrated in the in like english speaking circles but they're really popular in japan and korea yeah they're they're good i like them yeah um okay so then we'll go out with digital get down um yeah, and you can find No Strings Attached, Celebrity, all your NSYNC songs on all your streaming platforms. But if you really want to get the experience, buy the CD. Buy the CD. <laughs> okay, I'm going to stop recording now. Baby, baby, we can do all that we want. We get nasty, nasty. We get freaky, dicky, uh-uh. Uh, baby, baby, we can do more than just talk. Because I can hear you, hear you. And I can see you, see you.